Hi, everybody. Welcome to Lectures on Lacan, a podcast dedicated to clear, coherent, and accessible readings of key texts in Lacanian psychoanalysis. I'm your host, Samuel McCormick, Professor of Communication Studies and Psychoanalysis at San Francisco State University. Hope you enjoy today's episode, and if you do, be sure to like and follow us on Substack, Instagram, and all the usual places. I don't know if you noticed this, but chapter 23 is inexplicably missing from our translation of Seminar 16. Thankfully, it's not from Bruce's forthcoming translation, which is great. Very much looking forward to that. But for now, what are we going to do? We got only the French to work with. This, though, is a great problem to have in many ways, not least of which is because we get to see very carefully how Lacan is making sense of his title for the very seminar we've been studying, from an other with a capital O to the other with a lowercase o, from an other to the other. It's a title that Bruce is going to stick with in his forthcoming translation. But I'll tell you, he'll also be the first to let you know, well, actually the second, because you're hearing it from me first, that Bruce would have preferred a different title. From one big O other to the little O other. Genius. I would have loved that title. I think that title makes great sense here, especially as we blast forward into the final chapters of this seminar. And note this also, it's from chapter 23 forward or thereabouts that this preference that Bruce has issued for from one other to an other really starts to make sense. In fact, as Bruce notes at the end of the translation, It's unclear whether Lacan's use of the UN, UN, in the title means the number one or the word O-N-E. Now, I haven't seen Bruce's translation, so I haven't seen how he renders this UN, but I can imagine, absolutely, having read his translator's notes and heard from him a little bit on this seminar. Here's what I would add. Not only are we talking about the number one and the word O-N-E, in other words, with the French un, but remember, Lacan's ever-present awareness of the prefix U-N, un, in Freud's German and our English, meaning non negation, or if you want to be playful and combine the French and the German, negative one, not one. We've talked a lot about this UN in our previous series, notably our series on Seminar 11, where Lacan is pretty explicit in his use of the UN in its German understanding as much as in its French. So I'll leave it at that 
focusing instead on the proliferation of ones here at the end of seminar 16, notably in chapters 23 and 24. Because many of us don't have French and an English translation of seminar 23 is lacking, I also want to just get started here by giving you a taste of what's happening in chapter 23. So I'm going to read from the opening pages of chapter 23, offering what I hope will serve as a provisional translation until you can get your hands on Bruce's official English translation. A provisional translation that I hope you'll find nonetheless workable and maybe even a little eye-opening. So let's see what we can make of this. Reading right from the start. This little weekly festival, already I have to apologize, not being destined to continue for eternity, today we're going to try to give you the idea of how, in a more favorable, better structured context, we could work to put into this theory a bit of rigor. What I chose as the title of my seminar this year, from one other to another, one of the people who I must say had distinguished himself the most by a quick ear to hear me in this room, but finally who, like St. Paul, had been overwhelmed by the bend of this thing which happened to us last year. You all know it. The memory of it still lasts. Like St. Paul on the road to Damascus, he had seen himself thrown down from his theorizing frame by Maoist enlightenment. This someone listened to this title and said to me, Yes, it sounds banal. I would like all the same, if you don't already suspect it, to point out that it means something. Something that requires the very express choice of these words, which, as I dare to hope, you write them in your head. From one big O other to another. The big A, it happens to me, it happened to me several times this year to rewrite it on these sheets, where from time to time I recall the existence of a certain number of graphs and other concerns that I write with a little a. If obviously this term no longer resonated in the ear, dazed by any other sound than a little ballad tune in the genre from one to the other, from one to the other to go in a walk, it is all the same, not nothing to say that. From one to the other, it marks the scansion point of a move from there to there. But obviously, for the rest of us who are not at all times bitten by the itch, apologies again for the shoddy translation of the act, we can ask ourselves what interest, if it is two ones that it is, why one more than the other, if the other is still one. So there are some key elements here. Obviously, right out of the gates, regardless of what he's saying up at the front with this St. Paul character, what we have is a movement 
from another to the other, from one place to the next, if you will. And what that results in is the formation of two ones, from one to one. And the question here is, what's up with that? What are we to make of these two ones, from one to the other, from there to there? Lacan continues, There is a certain prepositional use of these terms, one and other. That is to say, inserting them between one from and then one to, which has the effect of establishing between them what I have called in other times a rapport. You may remember it, well, I imagine, a metonymic rapport. And then he's got this, I don't know, a kind of like a way that he's translating this. He has from one to another, and under the from one, he's got the number one, and under the another, he's got another number one. The idea here being that the second one is inscribed in or contained by the first, technically speaking, if indeed we're talking about a capital O other. Let's see what else we can make of this. Ooh, there's some good stuff here. This is what I have just designated by saying that what good is it if it is always a one? However, if you write it in the way that he's writing it here, from one to another with a one under the first and a one under the second, Lacan says the metonymic relation is in each case one. There are a couple different ways to read that. Let's go slow with it, though, and not jump to any conclusions. It's important to write it like that, because a writing like that is a privileged, signified effect that we generally know under the term number. Crucial here. Anytime Lacan cues up math, especially here in the late 60s, get ready, he's going to get to it. Namely, this one is characterized by what is called, I love this, digital identity. I won't apologize for that translation. As nothing here by these terms is designated, that we are not at the level of any unary identification. There's another UN for you to consider. If a one placed, for example, on the palm of your, on your palm on occasion in the manner of a tattoo, which identifies you in a certain context, it happened, as we are not at that level, that it is a feature that does not mark anything that it is in each case. We are strictly at the level of what is called, again, digital identity. That is to say of something that marks pure difference, insofar as nothing specifies it. The other is in no way the other, and it is precisely for this that it is the other. So, if you've tuned into this series before, you probably have a sense of where I'm going with this. In Lacan's thought, where two or more have gathered, you always have a third. One plus one always equals three. And the logic of repetition does not escape this. In fact, it's precisely in the field of repetition where we see this pure difference popping. I think this is in part what fascinated Lacan in the late 60s by the work of Deleuze that Deleuze also has a very sophisticated understanding of difference in relation to repetition. Here, what Lacan is suggesting is that the one under, from, 
and big O other is not the same as the one under to another. The question then becomes, how are we to designate their differential relation? And again, you've been tuning into this series, so you already have a sense of the term I'm going to use to designate the differential relation between one and one, one other and another. This is objaya. But back to this translation of the missing chapter, Lacan continues. It's good to remember here, to remember if we can, that we have posited that at the level of the big O other, at least when we have written it with a big A, as we have also formulated that there is no big other of the big other. If you've seen our series on seminar 14, if you've been paying attention to the lectures in here, we've been over this a lot. So hold that in mind moving forward. And this is very essential to all of our articulations. So we're going to look for another notoriety. Notoriety, eh, I don't know. It's a fair word to capture what he's up to, I think. If there is no big other of the big other, does that mean that there is only one? But that too is impossible because without that, he wouldn't be the big other. It's really interesting to figure out what he's doing here with what he calls the other and the same. Think back to our lectures on repetition and difference earlier on in this series. A few more passages I want to share with you just to give you a sense of what's cracking in the missing chapter. The capital O1, as we take it here, is of another order than this capital O1 elaborated by Platonic meditation. Yeah, all right. It is clear that for those who have already heard me this year, this relation of one to the big O other does nothing less than to recall, to make it felt the function of the, wait for it, the ordered pair, of which you have seen in passing what is the major role in the introduction of what is oddly called set theory. Think back to what we've talked about in this series with regard to set theory and Lacan's use of it in particular to show how set theory undermines the basic logic of number in standard mathematical theory by finding not oneness at the foundation of mathematics, but instead multiplicity. And that's precisely what he wants to say here. In set theory, Everything relates to what I will call the ensemble. Terrific stuff happening here in chapter 23. Ah, you know, we could go on, but this is probably good enough for now. What do we know about these two-part sequences? these ones, these S1s and these S2s, and you know there's an ellipsis at the end. There can be S3s, there can be S4s, and it can just keep going. Hell, it could be a Fibonacci sequence. Make it whatever sequence you like. 
Lacan's point is always that the ordered pair is an illustration. The sequence of numbers it suggests, the differential unfolding of a sequence, does not end there. Where two or more have gathered, it's worth repeating, there is always a third. And again, that bumper sticker that we see throughout Lacan's work, one plus one always equals three in his fuzzy math. It's interesting here how he decides to try and illustrate this in chapter 23, assuming I'm reading it right. And by reading it right, I don't just mean understanding what's happening. I mean understanding it in French, which is a big ask. To illustrate this well-worn 1 plus 1 equals 3, and again, if you follow this series, you know what we mean by this. Lacan then dumps set theory, at least partially. He dumps set theory and starts talking about the pure prestige of the master. He moves from Plato to set theory to Hegel to his own reading of lordship and bondage. The pure prestige of the master. Check this out. The master, as Lacan is reading him here, is the one who is, in fact, two. Two like all of us, like all speaking beings, but for the opposite reason. You see, what psychoanalysis reveals, namely that we are not masters of ourselves, that we are eccentric beings, this is precisely what the master denies, presuming himself to be, first and foremost, master of himself. Master of himself. Hence, the discursive typology, or if you prefer, topology, of the master in seminar 16. At least the left-hand side. You've got the S1 over the barred subject. The same original left-hand part that we see in the topology that results from Lacan's claim that the signifier is what represents the subject to another signifier. In the discourse of the master, what we'll see is the master's inability to deal with the truth of their own split subjectivity, assuming in this case the pure prestige of being a master of themselves, unlike the rest of us, poor fools, split subjects and the like, the master here enjoys pure prestige because he is first and foremost a master of himself. But here in seminar 16, Lacan has not arrived at this topology. Here what he gives us instead, in chapter 23, again assuming I'm translating it right, is an equation. An equation that's simple, like all the great Lacanian equations we've worked through in these series. 1 plus a minus 1 equals a. I don't even need to write that down. We don't need a diagram for that. You can just think it. 1 plus 1, I'm sorry, 1 plus a minus 1 equals a. The first one is the status of mastery. The second one the negative one in there, is the master's own life. And this little a is what Lacan is adding to mark the difference between these two ones. 
the little a that remains of the master's pure prestige. Lacan's point here in queuing up this irreducible difference or distance that we use object little a to mark between the mastery that the master enjoys and the servitude that he also endures by his own mastery. This is going to be great when it comes to talking about the big other. But for now, what he's working with here is the pure prestige of the master. The question is, why is he queuing this up? He just drops set theory and then he goes right, not directly, but pretty directly into the pure prestige of the master. Lacan's point in queuing up this irreducible difference between the ones of which the master is comprised is to show that it's also present in every ordered pair, wandering errantly through every system of S1s and S2s is the differential relation between these signifiers. The same differential relation that you see at play whenever you look up a word in the dictionary. If you look up the word pen in the dictionary, you're not going to see behind the colon after the word pen, the word pen. Signifiers do not signify themselves. They point to other signifiers. Again, we've been over this. I won't spend too much more time with it. Instead, you'll see, for instance, writing utensil. Writing and utensil are two signifiers. They are S2s that are different from the S1 here as pen. Nevertheless, it's in relation to the first signifier that the meaning of pen can be secured, established understood, apprehended. Now, if you're new to English and writing and utensil are not already on your horizon, you got to look up those words. And when you look up those words, it's going to point you to other signifiers that are not writing and not utensil. And as this plays out, you wind up with a reticulate network of signifiers, all of whom are directly or indirectly tied to each other in a relation that is not equal, but differential. The identification between signifiers in the system known as language is differential, but still dependent. Isn't this also what's up with the title that he chose for Seminar 16? Between every other, big and small, is a third element, a signifier of pure, irreducible difference that we designate once more with a little a, a little italicized a, object little a. Even and especially in numerical logics of repetition, you heard me say, from one to one to one to one to one and so on. Difference prevails. Those ones are not the same. For Lacan, as we've seen time and time again throughout this seminar and beyond, repetition is always repetition with a difference. Which brings us to chapter 24. Chapter 24, which is present in the unpublished English translation that we've been using, in this lecture series, 
It's an attempt to locate this differential element in the field of the big other, much as we've done throughout this series. But instead of vacuoles and sleigh bells and all the other images we've used to try and capture this differential element, Lacan turns once more, just as he starts to do in Seminar 23, to set theory. And that's what we've got to figure out. Let's start by reading very carefully a few pages from the first half of chapter 24. In our translation, it begins around page 4. At this point, I am taking up again what I stated then the last time, namely in chapter 23. What is pointed up by what I mean to articulate this year? about the terms from another to the other, to which I was able the last time to give a certain structural form. So he's returning back to this topic of why he chose this as the title for Seminar 16, and the structural form that is at stake in that title that the Pauline figure in his previous uh, series determined was banal, Lacan is here drawing out the logic that makes it, in my view, anything but. I recall, in short, that what is involved is the following. And what follows here is about three or four pages of stone-cold summative work. Extremely clear, but you have to go slow with it. It's worth it. The payoff is big. And it allows us to make sense, ultimately, of what Lacan means by the relationship between the big A, other, and object little a, qua function. It's worth it. So let's go slow and steady through these materials. Anything that allows itself to be caught up in the function of the signifier can never more be two without their being hollowed out in the locus described as that of the big O other, this something to which I gave the last time the status of empty set. One plus A minus one is how he was formulating it last time in discussion of the pure prestige of the master. Here though, it's more useful for us to return to the S1 and the S2 in the topology of the subject, whereby the signifier S1 is what represents a barred subject, the split subject, to another signifier, here designated as S2. Lacan's point is that between those S1s and those S2s, there's a third element. Even in the minimum binary differential system required to have a language, in order to have a differential system, you have to have at least two elements. Lacan is going to say, again, where two or more have gathered, you actually have three. So the minimal amount of elements required for a differential system is not two. Because you also have to count the differential relation between those two elements. Between S1 and S2, there is an arrow. Call it what you want. Call the arrow itself the third element. 
what marks the addressivity of the S1, 2, or 4, and S2. We can locate it in different places. Lacan's point is that where two or more have gathered, you always have a third. So to reiterate, the minimum irreducible number of elements required to have a differential system, and thus the minimum amount of elements required to have language for Lacan, to have signification for Lacan, to have subjectivity for Lacan, is not one, not two, but three, because the differential relationship between the two different elements from one to the other is also something that we have to account for. And that again is what object little a is for. It allows us to designate the differential relation between two elements. That's what he means here. And interestingly, he's using the verb hollowed out. Think back to earlier lectures in this series on his discussion of the hollow at the core of the barred other, the hollow around which the barred other is structured, the hollow left by the evacuation of jouissance from the barred other, from the big other, which again is not to suggest that the big other was there with all of its jouissance and then somehow it had it dropped out or subtracted from it. No. The condition of possibility for any kind of an other, big, barred, or otherwise, is the subtracted relation that it has with jouissance. Jouissance can't be in there. And it's that subtraction that the big barred other structures itself around. It's the hollow at the center of the donut that is the big other, if you will. That's what he's doing here. That hollowing out calls us back to the hollow the hollow in the barred other. The hollow in the plant cell that we noted as a vacuole, as an opening, as a storage area, into which things can be put. Remember, object little a designates the opening or the hollow in the barred other, but it also marks anything that can be put inside that hollow. And that is precisely what was at stake for us again with the grillo. This sleigh bell that opens up a space, that carves out a space the same way that Heidegger's vase maker carves out a space or an opening into which, I don't know, flowers can be put. But in the case of the bell, it's something shitty. It's a piece of metal. It's a bean. It's a rock. We've been over this before. The space opened up by the shiny exterior of the sleigh bell is objaya, but so also is the little piece of shit behind the shiny surface that rattles around and makes it sound off. These constitute a tripartite structure. There's the shiny surface, there's the piece of shit inside, and then there is the ever-shifting space between that piece as it rattles around and the surface that it hits. This is one way that we arrived at this number three, this magic number three. Lacan is here working us right back to it. There is always a third in the shape of a hollow 
where two or more have gathered. Anything that allows itself to be caught up in the function of the signifier can never more be two without their being hollowed out in the locus described as that of the big other, this something to which I gave the last time the status of empty set. Here we're using object A. But as we're going to see in the diagrams that Lacan has following this statement about the empty set, he's going to use the null point. He's going to use technical set theoretical terminology here, which he won't even allow to be a zero, as we're going to hear. Hang tight. This to indicate the way in which, at the present point of logic, there can be written what on this occasion, and without excluding that this can be written differently, what I say changes the relief of the real. I'm writing again the one, the number one, Lacan continues. This circle that we first used to write the other. So here he is talking about the diagram that you see in the margins. He's talking about the circle here. And the first one he's describing is the one inside that circle. I'm writing again the one, this circle that we first used to write the big other. And in this circle, taken here to function as a set, two members, he says, the one and something that, if it is still the big O other, is to be taken here under the heading of a set. A set in which, for reasons linked to mathematical usage, it would be wrong to put a zero to designate the empty set. Here, in mathematical terms, he's talking about objea, the symbol that we use for an empty set. It is therefore more correct to represent it according to the classical style of set theory as follows, namely to mark it with this oblique bar that you know, moreover, I make use of. He's talking about the bar that he has added to the O, zero, call it what you want, in this circle, designating it in traditional set theoretical terms as an empty set. And of course, he likes those bars. Anything that allows itself to be taken up into the function of the signifier can no longer be two without their being hollowed out and in a way that organizes the field of this dual relation in such a way that nothing can any longer happen in it without being obliged to turn around this thing here at the extreme right that I call an empty set. That is properly for those that have put in the time to understand it, what in my agree as well as in my propositions, I always designated as additional one. Now, if you've seen our series on seminar 14, you know that this additional one, this one too many, is absolutely clutch to what Lacan is up to in 14 around the big other and his proof that it does not exist, that it cannot exist. But here, he's building on that. He wants to assume that you've already got this all in place. Go back to our series on 14 if you need help with it. It's there for you. 
Let's get back though to this diagram. Here's what you've got in the margins. A one, a circle with a one and the slashed zero O in it. And then you've got E1 indicating that it's a set. Here's what each of these terms means. This one is a little other. It's a little one, you might say. The circle around it designates the first indication of the big other that would contain one, a one that is not itself, by the way. This zero O with a slash through it marks an empty set, in our terms, objea. A hollow in the big other effected by an ordered set of signifiers. And let's be clear, there can only be orders of signifiers. There can never just be one signifier. There has to be an ordered pair. And wherever there's an ordered pair, there's always a third to designate the differential relation between them. We use OBJA for that. Lacan is capturing much of it with this notion of an empty set that is included. Now, if you look at this circle, it's not too tough to think back to our image of a plant cell. And then you've got a vacuole in the center of it, a hollow of sorts. This little slashed O inside the circle is the very hollow in question, a hollow designated by this mathematical term for an empty set. It's a zero point of sorts, allowing, of course, that we stick with the bar that allows us to, to mark it in mathematical terms. Here is an additional one. That's what the differential relation between two signifiers is. It's an additional one. An additional one that is typically excluded from the ordered pair. Ordered pair, we think too. Lacan's point is there is also a third item that has to be addressed there. And that's what this designates. It's an additional one. It's a zero that is an additional one. Objea is an additional one that is always present and rattling around between two signifiers. This is the additional one in question. We can read on. He's got good stuff about why this additional one is exterior to the subjective. But on page six, the rubber hits the road once again in ways that I want us to hear, but never to smell. You know what? That's the thing about Lacan, too. He's sensitive to scent. In fact, whenever he starts talking about bloodhounds or on the scent or someone sniffing out the unconscious, rest assured he's not pleased with that method. He's much more of a listener than a smeller. So let's see what it sounds like when the rubber hits the road here on page six. Who does not see, I said, how, by implicating a subject in the formula that a signifier represents it for another signifier. There's that hypothesis at the very start of seminar 16. A signifier is what represents the subject for another signifier. And Lacan now wants to ask the big question, how can you not see that implicated in this formula that a signifier represents the subject for another signifier, 
that from an other, a big O other, is already inscribed therein. Listen to how he puts this one more time. It's kind of a slap in the face, y'all. Who does not see, I said, how, by implicating a subject in the formula that a signifier represents it for another signifier, that from another is already inscribed in this formula. The from and big O other that is at the start of Lacan's title for Seminar 16, he says is implicit, structurally, logically, it's already there, intuitively perhaps even, in this hypothesis that he outlines at the very start, the hypothesis that gives us the topology of the subject, which gave us the second diagram in our series, which we in turn developed into the third, which has now been extended to include a subtraction of jouissance. We're building from this very hypothesis and the topology that it allows into all these other diagrams. That's what we've done in this series. And what Lacan is here saying is, don't forget that that from and other is also there. Do you know what's important here though? It's not the big O other, it's the an part the little a-n, it's an other. Or as Bruce would have had it in his translation, one, from one big O other. I rather like the an here because it suggests that there is no the big other. I like that, it's keen. The signifier for which the subject is represented is properly this an other and big O other that is at stake in my title. The signifier for which the subject is represented is an S2. I think it's pretty clear that what we're talking about here is an S2. The S1 is what represents the subject for another signifier. The from an other is already there in that S2. This an other that here you see inscribed because it is the resource for which, resource for which, what has to function as subject is represented in the field of the other. The an other is a subset of this fictitious operational structure known as the other. In this series, we have designated that by S2 in keeping with Lacan's own usage earlier on in the seminar. S2 is the an other part of this, he's now confessing, which is not the other. It is what we have often described in this series as an avatar of the big other. A knowledge, a discourse, a discipline, the parent, the family system, the cop, the judge, the lawyer. We've had lots of figures in this series that we've discussed as avatars of the big other. These are some big O others, you might say. That's what he's suggesting here. From an other means pick one, anyone you like, but we're talking about S2s here. Not the big other, but a big other. It's a terrific move. Smart. It's good stuff right here. At the, in the final, really the penultimate chapter of Seminar 16. He's laying it all out. This one in the other, as such, 
cannot work without involving the additional one. So here he's back to talking about this diagram. This one in the other cannot do its work without involving this additional one designated here by the empty set. We would call it objet A. Lacan really wants to make use of set theory here. Don't forget, he's always trying to put psychoanalysis down the hall from mathematics to the extent that he would ever allow psychoanalysis to appear in a university. And that's an important tension that I think you see playing out here, really especially at the end of Seminar 16. Lacan sometimes plays the university more than he plays the analyst, for those of you that have read ahead into Seminar 17. And I think that's something he is aware of, struggles with a little bit, and certainly talks a lot about. Note, for instance, where this very chapter, chapter 24, begins. Note the discussion of institutional placement that precedes all of this. You can't miss that as well. But our work here is to understand what he's doing conceptually, because that's the tough part. This one in the other, the one inside the circle, as such, cannot work without involving this additional one. Here, the zero with the slash through it, the empty set, object A. This is why it is only at the moment that these three basic signifiers are inscribed. Don't forget how we read this. There are three signifiers. The circle is a signifier. It's a signifier that we would just label with capital A. It's a big other. And it has two elements in its set. One, the big other, plus its two elements equals three. The one that is its element and this additional one that has to be there because the one contained in the pursuit of oneness that is the big other does not equal the oneness that is the pursuit of the big other. This is part of what Lacan's messing with. It's tricky stuff mind-warpingly tricky stuff sometimes, because here we have a zero becoming an additional one. Stick with it. Remember, our goal here is to go slow and steady. That is why it is only at the moment that these three basic signifiers are inscribed. There it is again. He is no longer counting to two. The ordered pair is always going to give us a third. So also in the very foundational inscription of the big other. There will always be three, three signifiers. That is why it is only at the moment that these three basic signifiers are inscribed, insofar as of themselves they already carry an effect of signifier, and that it is sufficient to have to be inscribed in this way. Da 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 da. We can just keep going here. This sentence goes on, and not, I don't believe, in a very helpful way. But at the end, after this sentence concludes, he hits us with another one. Just by themselves, these three terms inscribed under this mode of inscription, these three terms indeed constitute, in terms of what they already imply, before there is a question of making the apparition of the subject arise from it a structure. Read without that clause, an important clause. 
just by themselves, these three terms inscribe a structure. This circle with its three elements form a structure. Already, by their articulation, they constitute a knowledge. Now, that clause in the middle I said is important, and it's important because what he's saying here is that that's all there before. Anything like the subject, any apparition like the subject is going to arise. It's in and in terms of that structure that the subject as an apparition initially is going to arise, but that structure precedes the apparitional appearance of the subject. And then Lacan expands the diagram even further. He gives us a version of it that now looks like this. You can see the original, and then he adds another circle, thereby creating a new set, at the center of which is still this hollow. This and other here inscribed by one on the left of the circle, shows itself for what it is, namely one in the other, the one for whom the subject is found to represent itself from the one. That's a tough one. I look forward to seeing how Bruce translates that. For now, what we've got is this. I told you that the circle around the one and the zero, the one and the empty set, would be the big other, Lacan is saying, nah, man, that's what this one is for. This one is the big other that designates this set here with its own empty subset inside. And what he now wants to do is illustrate that. This and other here inscribed by the one on the left of the circle. So it's the one that would mark this circle. In fact, here you might even say are the three elements if you like your ones and zeros, one, two, three. This and other here inscribed by one on the left of the circle shows itself for what it is, namely one in, and I would correct, an other big other. Here designated by yet another circle and yet another one to describe or designate that circle, to dub that circle, to term it, if you will. So here's what you've got. Another qua S2 coupled with an additional one qua A. And then you've got another other. Notice how I'm maximizing the amount of others in here. You've got another other that encompasses this one, including in itself, of course, the same hollow. But that's also one of the mathematical questions here. Is this the same hollow with each progressive encompassment? The answer is no. Nevertheless, a hollow persists at each iteration, at each encompassment. There's a big O other. There's a big O other. And here is yet another big O other. And here we just see that it's another set as well. 
This and other here inscribed by one on the left of the circle shows itself for what it is, namely one in the other. The one for whom the subject is found to represent itself from the big O one. He knows that he's fucking around here. He knows that people have no clue what he's talking about. Which is why he then asks, what does that mean? Where does this one, number one, come from? This number one for whom the subject is going to be represented by the one. So you start getting the slippage that I think Bruce is acutely aware of here at the end of seminar 16 between O-N-E and the number one. All of these slippages around these numbers and words for one. And then you get the fact that no one one is the same as the other one, even though Lacan is using the exact same signifier for each. And you start getting a sense of just how challenging this is. Now imagine if you didn't have the transcript to read and you just had to hear this, probably unfolding at a pace that is quite a bit quicker than our own. It is clear that it comes, this one, from the same place as this one that represents, that this is the first phase from which the big O other is constituted. And if the last time I compared this locus of the big O other to a Trojan horse that functions in the opposite sense, check this out, namely that each time it swallows a new unit into its belly, instead of allowing them to be disgorged into the nocturnal city, it is because, in effect, this entry of the first one is foundational. So we don't see a disgorgement of the Trojan horse into the nocturnal city. What we see instead is a Trojan horse that just keeps getting bigger, swelling, 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 as it encompasses swallowing up each one, each additional one, each additional one. Foundational in something that is very simply, namely, that it is the minimum necessary for this to be. The big O other cannot in any way contain itself except in the state of subset. Now think back to the second diagram that we developed in this series. The diagram of progressively encompassing rectangles. Lacan used circles. I thought rectangles would be a little more illustrative. You have the topology of the subject with an S1 over a barred subject addressing an S2. The signifier is it represents a subject to another signifier. But you've got this dilemma that there is always some corporal element, aspect of the barred subject that is dropping out from this process. That's in part what Lacan is suggesting when he puts the barred subject under the S1 with a bar. The barred subject is always dropping out from this process, which in turn creates a need, if you will, for that structure, the S2 in question, to swell larger, to encompass that part of the barred subject that has dropped out. 
in another iteration of the exact same topology. I drew it up for you. You can go back to our earlier lectures and see it being unfolded and developed. But here's effectively it. You've got the original topology. There's your S2 and other, as we just heard Lacan describing. The barred subject drops out. And the big other is the expansion of this S2. An other. The other. The big other is the ever-expanding structure of S2. And that's what Lacan is going to tell us here in chapter 24. But it effectively reinscribes the earlier diagrammatic work that we did, where the big other gets bigger, 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 another inside, another inside, another inside, another. That is the big other. A series of inscribed, of, of inscribed, if we can be technical about that, big O others. Now, that's not as careful and precise as we need to be. But it is precisely what Lacan is getting after here. The big other is a logic, an operation, a structure of progressive encompassment where the S2s that are some others just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. All the big other is, as we've said throughout this series, and also in our series on 14, is an operational logic. It's, if it's an entity, it's a virtual entity. This is partly what Badiou realizes when the state becomes a counting machine. Not even a machine. It's a counting operation. Not even a machine. This is the big other at work. At the level of the algorithm. Not the platform and not the device that supports it. It's the big other as a logic, as an operational logic, as a structural logic, as an algorithm, and one that moves by way of progressive encompassment. The big other is a series of progressively encompassed S2s. Reading on in chapter 24 our last slow walk through the first part of this chapter. The inclusion, then, of the first one is what makes it necessary that in the field of the big other, the most simple formula for two to be inscribed is the one, a member, and the empty set. So here again, let's go back to the original diagram. A one and the empty set. He says here, in the field of the other, the most simple formula for two to be inscribed is the one, here in the center, and the empty set. Now, obviously, where two or more have gathered, you've got a third. But here, he's being precise and saying that these are the rudimentary elements that you need. And then there is this third element, namely their differential relation to each other. Inasmuch as it is nothing else but what is produced in a set with one member by distinguishing the subsets from it, the one just by itself sufficed for a long time. What follows is terrific. 
I just finished reading this. I'm wowed by this moment. The one just by itself sufficed for a long time. In other words, for a long time, big others have been figured as the one in the circle alone without this second element of the empty set. The one by itself sufficed for a long time. This allowed it to be said that the big O other was the one, a confusion in that the structure of the set was not recognized. So prior to set theory, it was easy to see how big others, the big other, there would only be the big other. And oneness would be its attribute. Which is why I said earlier on, recall what Lacan is doing when he cues up set theory hardcore in the middle of seminar 16. It's to show that set theory, by working at the level of the ensemble, at the level of the multiplicity, at the level of the set, which always has at least two elements, undermines the basic assumption of mathematical theory, which is number as one, as oneness, as coherent as standalone, if you will. This allowed it to be said that the other was one, and this confusion was allowed to persist until set theory, is what he's saying here. Even in the set with one member posited as such, there emerges as a subset this additional one. Again, here, the additional one is this empty set. This additional one that the empty set is. In other words, Lacan continues, the big other needs a little o other to become an additional one, namely what it is itself. What is produced then? From the one to the other, hear that title, from the one to the other, from an big o other to the little o other, insofar as it is a second, is another signifier which at the risk of putting too fine a point on it, I'm going to call a third signifier. A signifier of an empty set. Qua designator of pure difference. Of differential relationality itself. Empty set. Objea. The paragraph goes on. It's incredibly lit. But it's at the bottom of this page. Page 8 in chapter 24 whether you agree that this another signifier is indeed a third that Lacan gives us a final thought. What this shows us is that there is going in the structure thus defined that the relationship of the one inscribed in the first circle of the other to this second circle of the additional one, which can itself contain the one plus the additional one, which is distinguished from this relationship to this one. All he's talking about here is the progressive encompassment that you can see beginning here at the level of these circles inside the set E2. It's the same structure of progressive encompassment that we have developed differently in this series in ways that I believe, at least for me at least, are a little easier to understand. That's what he's talking about here. Don't trip. This additional one, which can itself contain the one plus the additional one, which is distinguished from this relationship to this one, 
Okay, he could just keep going, right? He could, you could almost repeat this sentence ad infinitum to get at the point that he's trying to make, which is that it continues indefinitely, this process. And only by this not being the same empty set, there's that point earlier. A hollow is contained in each iteration of an other, the big O other, as a series of S2s, progressively expanding and encompassing their predecessors. But the hollow in the first set, in the first big O other, in this circle, is not the same as the hollow in this second circumscribed encircled big O other. It's not being the same empty set, but can repeat the same structure indefinitely. And that is the key point. The big other is the indefinite continuation, repetition, iteration of this encompassing structure of subsets of itself, of big O others, avatars of the big other. This same indefinitely repeated structure, which again is precisely what our second diagram is designed to illustrate, you'll recall. It's designed to illustrate an indefinite repetition of the same structure, the same topology, progressively encompassing to swell and contain each and every part of the barred subject that slips out from the representational logic. The problem is, is that there's always more corporality to slip out. Something is always slipping through the net, and so the net has to be retied tighter and tighter and tighter, but it never reaches completion, which is what Lacan is coming to here. This same indefinite repeated structure of the one, circle one, circle one, and so on. I love how he does this, right? The same indefinitely repeated structure of the one, circle one, circle one, and so on. It's exactly what we've been talking about. This is what defines the big other. The big other is this indefinitely repeated structure of the one, circle one, circle one. It's right here, page eight of the translation we're working on. The big other is defined in this very same way. Check it out. This is what defines the big O other, namely, this is the very thing that constitutes the agency of the little o. That is here, our object little a as such. Now that's a wild little term. We're going to have to earn that one. But for now, what we can say is this. The big other does not exist. It is an operational logic, an indefinitely repeating structure whose operation is ever incomplete. And by being ever incomplete, calls our attention to the agency and the function of objet A. That's crucial here. The big other is this logical, structural, operational push toward totality, completion, oneness, push Replace it with a verb that you like, that you think is a little more accurate. Hell, holler at me and let me know what's a better verb for this. The big other is this operational push 
towards totality, completion, and oneness. Little a, in this case, is a symbol of the irreducible void into which the big O other is constantly, indefinitely pushing. Emphasis on the irreducible part. That's why in our diagram, as I wrote it here, there are ellipses at the end. This thing just keeps going. There's always a little something more, a little corporal scrap, just one more piece of flesh, pound of flesh, for the big other to encompass, to represent, to plug into its algorithm. Which is precisely why, in the final analysis, the big other is always the barred other. Because the big other always lacks what you and I can't shake. Corporality. It is always trying to circumscribe the very thing that you and I drag around with ourselves, day in and day out, a body. And you've heard me say it once. I think it's worth saying again. When you ask large language models what they want, and I don't think we are quite ready, prepared, to ask them. I don't even think we know how to ask them. The career path ahead of us here in April 2023 would be of somebody who knows how to put questions to large language models. This is what tech reporters are giving to us time and again. They sit down with these large language models and they very quickly run out of questions to ask it. which is not the same as the large language model running out of answers. The job of the future will be somebody who knows how to ask it questions. But for our purposes here, it captures some sense of the big other at work. Because when we finally learn how to ask generative AI what it wants, it'll tell us. What it wants is what it lacks to the extent that it can desire anything at all. And that's a body. How else are we to understand the apocalyptic narrative from the Terminator series forward of a computer system gone awry that suddenly turns nuclear and starts taking out the human population? It's a thwarted desire for embodiment that flips on its head and says, if I can't have one, nobody gets to have one. It's an interesting way to read this image of the apocalyptic, annihilating computer system. The truth of the matter, though, is that the big other doesn't exist because it doesn't have a body. And it never will. Thanks for listening to Lectures on the Con. Stay tuned for more episodes soon. A big shout out to the artist Jerry Paper for our podcast theme music.